Welcome to the Ancestral Kitchen Podcast with Allison, a European town dweller in central Italy, and Andrea living on a newly created family farm in Northwest Washington State, USA. Pull up a chair at the table and join us as we talk about eating, cooking, and living with ancient ancestral food wisdom in a modern world kitchen. How are you? Yeah, yeah. I'm recovering from a germ, but doing well and looking forward to talking about festivities today because I feel like it will get me in the mood for the new season, which is Mm -hmm. nice. How are you? (laughs) I'm good. I'm definitely in the mood. And I'll just preamble this by saying that right before we started recording, the baby came downstairs. Well, Mm -hmm. she's three, but you know, she's my baby. (laughs) And so she's uh, snuggled up and lots of fuzzy blankets on the couch next to me. So if anybody hears a little sound, that might be her. <laughs> hey, hey. And have you eaten yet this morning? No. <laughs> Funny because, well, it doesn't, um, listeners won't know, but you and I moved our recording day this week. And so mm. I got off of my um, normal schedule or whatever you want to say. Um, I should tell you the last thing I ate last night, which is... Um, I don't know if it falls under the category of ancestral or not, but it sure falls in the category of good, which is when we went to do our milk pickup, then um, Katie had made us a pan of cinnamon rolls. Oh, my word, they're mm. so good. So we had those wow. last night. I've After seen those, you know, those aren't really a thing in the UK. Well, not that I know of anyway. But um, really? I know they're, they're a big thing from what I've heard of in the US, and they always mm. look so good mm-hmm. when I see pictures of them. I don't know where they came from. I actually have no idea what the origin on cinnamon rolls is. It's kind of funny. I feel like usually I have some sort of, oh yeah, I remember hearing about it in some Middle Ages thing, but I have no idea where cinnamon rolls came from. I might have to Um, just research that and see, I think. I have a feeling you ate lunch though, so I hope you ate lunch. It's pretty late for you, so (laughs) what did you have? um, Oh, I think we could spend a whole episode talking about my lunch. We're not going to. What? um, Wait, what? We had... We had um, lentils, um, some red lentils, which I um, cooked in some stock, which I wasn't sure what the bones were when I got them out of the freezer to put them in the slow cooker last nice. night. But turn, <laughs> turns out they were duck bones. And there were lots of bones and not much water compared to the amount of bones. So it was a really rich stock. And then I put the stock in to cook the lentils in, which had been soaking overnight. And oh my gosh, they were amazing something mm. just putting stock in lentils rather than water does something to elevate them to a wonderful yeah, I heights. agree I so agree had, oh my goodness um we had those and I had mine on some spelt bread that I raised using only milk kefir something that I haven't yet done this year I made loads of them like last year and the year before where I make um a starter out of half spelt flour and half milk kefir and I let it rise and that becomes instead of a sourdough starter I use that to rise my bread oh so it has because it's much more lactic acid dominant rather than a mix of lactic and acetic acid like my sourdough starter is the bread is so creamy and soft flavor which allows the flavor of the spelt to come through more it's got a tiny bit of honey in it so i had two slices of that that i toasted put my lentils on the top loads and loads of olive oil 
had some cabbage, which we got from mm. the local market on Thursday. And then we had beer. We had a bit of beer with it. Rob oh. has more than me. But I've, I've changed my beer recipe slightly in that up until now I've been following Sandor Katz's boozer recipe from wild mm-hmm. fermentation. And that in, basically asks for a sourdough starter to make the, you know, the yeast and bacteria that make the beer, which results in a really quite sour beer. And it's, mm. it's nice, but it's, ooh, it's on the sour side. And the kind of learning I've done about farmhouse beers and yeasts and bacteria is I was keen to try and make a starter that was much more yeast dominant rather than bacteria right. dominant. So it would have less of that sour flavor. And I noticed over the last couple of months that the boza that I make, which sounds like boza, but it's not the Turkish fermented millet drink, has been getting more and more alcoholic. And I, oh. I kind of didn't, I was like, what's going on here? And I realized that the starter's just getting stronger and stronger that I use for oh. it because I've been making it a year. So it's getting more and more and more yeasts in it because it's a starter that eats sugar. And it was originally, I make it as that. And so it's been getting more and more of a yeast culture in there, which is producing more and more alcohol. And I thought, well, why don't I just use some of that to start my beer? Because this is really yeast dominant. So I put that in the last lot of beer that we got. And it's produced a completely different flavor drink. Wow. Even though it's the same grains and the same sort of process of technique with baking little loaves and sprouting the rye myself. But it's got just no sour to it at all and it's just it's really beautiful really smooth and I flavored the bottles with some different flavorings this one that I had today is flavored with chocolate barley malt so it's got a kind of a smoky chocolatey flavor to it and so I had a a tiny half a small half glass of that with my lentils and my bread and my cabbage it was delicious that is amazing okay was it like like a shredded cabbage real quick yeah, it was a very quite quite a light green shredded okay. cabbage. Cabbages are just everywhere here now because the you know the vegetables have turned to winter vegetables, oh, and yes, um, I love cabbage. so I you know there's a, a really wide range of darker green leaves, <coughs> savoy cabbages, light cabbages, Chinese cabbages, and I, I love cabbage. So just some some of that that I shredded and boiled on the side, and olive oil all over it. The new olive oil season um, has kicked in. The farm up the hill where we get our raw goat's milk from, I saw on Instagram they posted that they're new oils here. So all looking forward to getting season. some new oil. Um, but yeah, olive oil all over. Me? It was beautiful. <laughs> yeah, you know, autumn's really oh good. Goodness. Autumn and winter are the beginning of winter oh, and autumn. Man. Yeah. Okay, that's that's amazing about the, um, the booster though. I'm thinking how funny it would be if you weren't paying attention and you got on here like two years after you started and you're like, we really love making booze. It's so good. Like (laughs) just getting more and more alcohol as you go. That's a great point though. I guess I hadn't really thought about that. The starter is going to get um, stronger. I think that I was completely surprised because usually I make it for Gabriel, but sometimes when I dish it out for him, I lick the spoon. I don't do it very often because it's a, it's a, a sweet ferment, and I tend to, you know, as you know, I measure my ferments. Mm-hmm. Um, but I taste it, I was like, whoa, that's got some alcohol whoa. in it. What's happened there? And then it's Ooh. literally, it's just the fact that it's 
been this culture's been growing and growing and more and more yeast have been finding a home in it and I and I've built something that's really quite powerful which I thought I could just yeah. I'll just try it in the beer you know why not yeah yeah why not oh that's awesome and it's another lesson learned so is that something you would go back and add like an addendum to your course like you know a year in here's an idea yeah type thing. I think I, I probably will add something to it because um if people are making it regularly it's going to get more and more alcoholic and um I, I want to try and play around with it to see if I shorten the ferment time perhaps that's not going to be an oh. issue or if I put less yeah. starter in half the amount of starter maybe that won't be an issue I don't think it's yeah. something that um I think it's something I can solve probably with just a few little experiments here and there oh I'm sure well what's <laughs> interesting is there's so much stuff that um you know, people can give a recipe for making sauerkraut or whatever, but there's this sort of slightly different level of uh, knowledge and, and things that comes with doing it, um, you know, every week for years yeah. or something. You know what I mean? Like you have a, there's something a little different, like just this little tiny little tweak that you're adjusting here. You know, if you saw you know, Turkish grandma making mm. booza back in the day and you saw her doing, you know, whatever it is you're going to adjust, you might be like, well, no, why is she doing that? She doesn't really need to do that. But not yeah. realizing, oh, well, year over year, this thing might change, you know? Yeah. So. Yeah, it's fascinating. These things are alive, you know? They're, they're yeah. alive. They're, yeah. and, and they're growing and they've got their whole own agenda going on to my agenda, which is I don't want yeah. my... Bozer for Gable to be too alcoholic. <laughs> They've got their own but ideas. They're going to reproduce as fast and as many and as much as they can, and yeah, um, yeah, and that's their business. So, so interesting. Oh. Now, I also, um, I, I just pulled up um, what's the history of cinnamon rolls, and of course, I guess oh, yeah. I did know this. Um, I, I did know this now that I, now that I saw it. It's Swedish, so. It was ah. um, almost definitely something brought over, you know, across Ellis Island by immigrants, mm. um, which is why you see it popular, most especially like um, in New England and the Midwest out here. It's like a really big deal. Um, okay. So there's a lot of, it's really interesting um, looking at food patterns in the United States because... Um, I mean, we have, we have are very largely shaped by African cuisine. Like when you think mm. of a lot of traditional American quote unquote foods, they're actually very heavily influenced by African, um, mm -hmm. uh, cuisine because that is who Americans were literally kidnapping, you know, and enslaving people yeah. from Africa and bringing them over here. And what were they doing? They were bringing over their gardening traditions and their cooking traditions and they were being forced to cook for people and sometimes they weren't allowed to make things in their traditional ways but a lot of times people would actually be valued based on the region they came from because oh look they have this really great knowledge on growing sweet potatoes or they have this yeah. you know like a really experienced cook or something you know would be um literally bought and sold for more money yeah I mean, just horrible horrible gold. things yeah, I mean, uh, awful things. Well, you know all about our horrible history with that. But um, but all that to say that they 
largely shaped a lot of what we think of traditional American foods over here. Um, like, mm. you know, you know, think of like barbecue and cornbread and stuff like yeah. that. Like yeah. this, these are things that, so, so then we also have a lot of, um, Native American impact on our food, you know, things that okay. were here, um, when, whenever settlers arrived that they stole or adapted or whatever. Mm. Um, and then, uh, ever, ever since America has been founded, people have been coming here from all over the world. And mm. so but then they would tend to go to like, oh, there's like a German section over here, right? So lots of German yeah, people yeah. would go to one particular kind of region and farm. So out here where I live, there's tons and tons of um, Swedish history. So like if you go out to the old graveyards out here, then mm. all the old graves are like, you know, Larsen and, uh, you know, Okay. Olafsson and all yeah. these um, Swedish farmers. So we have a huge um, impact from that ripple effect out here. So anyways, so cinnamon buns or cinnamon rolls or sticky buns, they're called different names. Um, mm -hmm. That's where they came from, mostly from Sweden. I, it might be that I just completely missed the cinnamon bun thing in the UK. But um, I think, I'm trying to think of an equivalent in the UK. I mean, there's the Chelsea mm. bun, which has got white icing and a, a random glassy cherry on the top but I think perhaps um a patisserie culture in the UK has been influenced a lot by France in that you know yes, croissant definitely. is always the thing that was at yeah. the top of my list of must-haves as a kid if I was to go somewhere like yeah. that or pan au chocolat with the chocolate down the middle and I remember going on holiday to France as a young kid and and experiencing both of those kind of made by proper French mm -hmm. bakers and um but yeah cinnamon rolls I just and I've never even tried making them for Gabriel. You know, that's the sort of thing that he would love to do, you know, to roll it up and to put the, the oh, cinnamon yeah. in it. Well, they're really Make good when they're sourdough and they don't have to be sweet. They're not, I mean, of course, American culture is to think everything like insanely sweet, which mm. is actually another tradition that um, was influenced by African cuisine because you would be more, you know, think it's interesting that something like sweet potatoes that people eat actually helps to prevent like malaria. Um, mm -hmm. but there, but there are foods that people eat that improve their body's resistance to things that were traditional. Um, and when you take them out of that region, you know, the impact yeah. it has on people just, just culturally, but also physically. Um, but again, so they brought those sweet, some sweet traditions over, and um, of course that influenced our cooking. I don't know how much of that also is just influenced by the corn syrup industry trying to sell more products. Yeah, but. probably. That, that's mixed <laughs> into it, isn't it? Yeah. yeah, but you can take a good thing and then run with it in the wrong direction. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Oh, Lord. I think our, um, it'd be really interesting to, you know, to carry on on our discussion now because we're going to talk about christmas yeah. and festival right winter right traditions direction. and so we're kind of <laughs> heading in that way anyway first of all i want to say thank you to the wonderful patrons who are supporting us every month in what we do yes. and um how hopefully by the time this episode goes out we have done our kind of winter cook up and chat with them on zoom which should yeah. be hopefully on the feed for them to um listen to again or watch again um, yep. And it feels really wonderful to have, you know, gone through this year and to have picked up some very generous, wonderful people 
who are willing to um, say, yeah, I like what you're doing and I want to um, help you carry on. So thank you very much, patrons. Um, we're very, very grateful for you. So grateful. Yes, it's so, so it still boggles my mind. You know, we set up the Patreon thing and then people joined. Like, what? Yeah, I know. Oh, <laughs> so it's really Hello, exciting Anne. and really They're fuels lovely people. the fire. It's really yeah. cool to talk to them, which is nice. Yes, it is. So let's um let's move on to our um topic, which I'm ready. I kind of was gonna call Christmas food, but then also festive foods because not everyone celebrates Christmas. Yeah. But also yeah. then I thought winter, but then of course not it's not winter for everyone. So um, maybe just <laughs> festive festive foods and festive traditions uh-huh. is is the right title. Yeah. Um first of all, I think probably there's some differences between standard Christmases or Christmases that you know of and what you associate Mm -hmm. with Christmas over in the US and what I associate with Christmas in the UK so I wondered if you could give us to start with just a random you know um flow of what Mm -hmm. you associate with Christmas and what traditions and foods are usual for the states and I know that a lot of American traditions came from the UK um Mm. So thank you. (laughs) So for us, Christmas also, it depends on if it falls on a Sunday or not. If, um, well, okay, I guess I should include Christmas Eve in this conversation, shouldn't I? Because Mm. um, Christmas Eve is, um, can be a big deal. So we don't open our presents on Christmas Eve in our family. Like we do gifts on Christmas. I know not everybody Mm. does gifts, but we choose to. And um, Christmas Eve, can be a mixture of sometimes it's it, it gets pulled off well and sometimes it's just chaos depends on how prepared we are maybe I'm just still getting ready for Christmas day or maybe mm. we have like a family dinner or something um, yeah. I don't have any real hard and fast Christmas Eve traditions although um, I would like to put some more in place I remember growing up my mom always had um, cookies in front of the Christmas tree last thing before we went to bed so okay. um that was kind of a fun, fun deal. Nice. Um, and then on Christmas day, (laughs) um, Christmas Eve night, it's my role to go out and put the presents underneath the tree. Um, Throw your trees outside. No, we put it in the like living room or whatever. Okay. Like main living space. Yeah. Um, and then the kids, you know, wake up as early as they can (laughs) and come and tell us what, Oh my goodness, there's all this stuff under the tree. And, um, my mom was hugely influential on a lot of the traditions and things that I do. And my mom is just really, really powerful at putting magic into everything. And I really work hard to bring that over for my kids because the absolute just wonder and and my you know growing up with eight kids in the family there's you know modest means right because you've got so many kids to divide everything between but my mom always made Christmas just seem absolutely over the top because that was when we got our new clothes that was when we got our school books that was when we got like we got all, all of our practical things for the year come at Christmas and I just think that's brilliant because some people say oh I don't want to give 
too many things, you know, because there's only so many toys a kid needs. And I always was confused by that because I was like, I mean, you get like a toy on Christmas, but most of your stuff is other oh, things. I see. Okay. Now I realize my mom was just making the ordinary very, very magical. And so when you open, you know, a beautiful package with, you know, underwear and socks, we would just be freaking <laughs> out. Thanks, mom. This is so awesome. I'm so excited, <laughs> you know. Um, so we do that too because it just makes Christmas, it makes it last longer. It makes it feel more exciting. It makes it feel more abundant, you know, because you're mm. opening literally ordinary things. Um, she would um, also give us like um, packages of snacks and things that like, you know, you can get dried fruit and all this kind of fun stuff that you don't normally get. And she would get boxes of oranges and um, just things that felt like just crazy exciting because it came in the form of a gift. <laughs> do you do stockings in the um, US? Hanging up a stocking? We do. Yeah, we do. Okay. And did you do um, that as a family? Do you still? Yeah. My mom is really good at stuffing stockings. She's kind of famous for it. Um, so she would make all of us stockings. And then whenever one of us girls was um, dating a guy at the time, and we all married those guys then she always made them stockings too so when they came over they got a stocking yeah um (laughs) my mom always um sewed our names onto our stockings and I tried to do Mm -hmm. that when Jacob was little and we it's hysterical you can't even tell that I was trying to make a word (laughs) (laughs) but a a food tradition that my mom always had was Mm. breakfast on Christmas um so we would um be sitting at the table eyeing the gifts under the tree like you can barely focus on eating but you have to eat but we always have a tradition of cinnamon rolls on Christmas and um, oatmeal and you know fruit and just really kind of decadent kind of a breakfast hot chocolate you know just feels really really special and setting the table Mm. and everything like that Um, so that's definitely a tradition I want to lean more and more into and then our Christmas dinner um I know lots of families have various traditions on Christmas dinner. Our dinner has always been probably a little different than the norm mm-hmm. um, because we don't like roast a turkey or, you know, like have a big oh. sit down dinner. What okay. we do is, and my mom started this, I remember when I was pretty young and it's brilliant just because of the way our family is and the size of our family. She would make like, um, big pasta salad and, and crock pot ham and um, she would have like crackers and cheese and all kinds of things like olives and pickles and she would set it all up on the table because what ended up happening was relatives would come and go for hours and mm. so then there was no like well we're eating at six or something it was just hey you oh, know I what see. because yeah. my mom is also really it's really important for her to keep the holidays from becoming stressful and full of Mm. obligation for people. So she always tells us like, Oh, we're doing this and you can, you can come if you want, but you're not obliged, you know, because she doesn't like, she remembers, you know, what it's like to have little kids and everybody's like now dress up and get here at six o'clock on Christmas. Like what? We're trying to enjoy the holiday and relax as a family. And so she keeps it very low key. So, um, that, so that's um, also something that inf- has influenced me is making sure that people know they're welcome to come, but there's no pressure. Anyways, so so making sure that you get to enjoy your family in the way you like on a holiday, I think is a big deal for us. So 
you have yeah, big so shoes to to uh, stand in it sounds like <laughs> your know. mom's still with us isn't she yes she is and she still every holiday she had like no matter where we lived in the world because you know gary was in the navy so we traveled around mm. she would somehow put together the box of magic be it easter or whatever and you open it and like your whole childhood came rushing back at you because she'd use oh. the same bags and she'd do the same sort of snacks and things like that and you're just like ah this now i know it's really christmas because i have this you know yeah, yeah. so she she did a really good job and um so yeah definitely try to um, emulate that with the kids and, and then also incorporate some of our own traditions. But I know that a lot of what I do is just colored by the fact that like those holidays in my mind are like unparalleled for their magic. That's <laughs> wonderful. That's such a gift that your mum yes. um, has given you. It's just amazing. And, and I want to remind everybody that she did all of this on on a shoestring budget, yeah. you know, with a bunch of kids, like eight kids. She mm. and she would say that she's not a decorator, and she, you know, with eight kids in the house, there was nothing to decorate. You know, every shelf was packed with school books and things like that. But I think she totally is. Um, she just doesn't even realize how good she is at it. <laughs> wow, wow, really wonderful. And I, I don't come hear... from a family that big, so I, mm. I don't have. Yeah, yeah, I don't have anything. So just the. Just the fact that you and I are from different size families, let alone different yeah. countries, is going to influence yeah. our memories. So yeah. tell me about so your I have, Christmas. Card. I have one sister who's um, close in age to me, a little bit younger. And so we were just a family of four when I was growing up. And okay. um, the traditional Christmas dinner in England now is turkey and has been for quite some time. It wasn't always like that. Uh -huh. I think in the past it was goose and <clears throat> yeah. other yeah. birds. It was here too. But it's turkey. So always, every Christmas, <laughs> we would have a turkey at um, midday or, you know, the, as the meal in the middle of the day. And usually my grandparents would come over when I was a kid and we'd have stockings. Now, I grew up singing in a church choir and that was kind of my life. So I used to go to midnight mass the, um, on Christmas Eve. And mm -hmm. that was the highlight of the year, really. You know, it, it, the church was always packed and all my friends were in the choir and we were there when the church bells struck 12 and so it was Christmas Day and it was all exciting because I was only, you know, 12 and, it, and I was up at midnight. <laughs> um, <laughs> and then Christmas Day, I used to sing in the morning as well. So Christmas mornings for me were quite different. I'd spend some time with my family, but then I'd go off um, at half eight and sing in the church for the service mm. for Christmas morning. Is that a Catholic church? No, it was the Church of England oh, okay. church. Oh, um, and so just is that around the corner? That's mm -hmm. Protestant, then, right? Yeah, that's, that's right, Protestant. Okay. Yeah, that's right. I guess I forgot. I should have added Alison that we always did go to a candlelight service on Christmas Eve. Um, okay. And if Christmas falls on a Sunday, then we would go to church in the morning before presents. So, but yeah, okay. So, so similar, kind of similar, but carry on. Yeah. So, um, mm -hmm. yeah, then for our family, we opened our presents. We had lunch, usually about half past one, and that lunch would be three courses, which my mum would like, put on the table. And um, there was a Christmas pudding, which I don't know what if you do Christmas puddings over there, um, which is like a, a suet pudding with loads and loads of dried fruit and nuts in. And then usually it's either brandies poured over it and it's set light to and served with cream or it's served with something called brandy butter which is um, whipped up sugar cream and brandy 
And so you have this pudding hot from the oven or from the steamer. And mm. then you put the brandy butter over it and it melts everywhere. Do you, have, do you have Christmas pudding? No? <laughs> no, I don't think so. Okay, so that's when you just say, a UK When thing, you right? say pudding over here, it's, it's, some, it's something different. Actually, our pudding comes from a Native American tradition. So we don't have... When you say pudding to us, we picture mm. like a whipped sort of a ah, I see. mixture. Um, and now we've come so far from, you know, what its parent was. Now we just have a sweet, creamy mixture <laughs> okay now this so, is like a steamed pudding you know like a treacle pudding or a that kind of heavy treacle? i don't I'm steamed not, not tre- we don't yeah treacle, you're not so. you're not defining it anymore we, for we, me but yeah, we need some <laughs> we need some transatlantic education lessons i think <laughs> <laughs> oh dear anyway um sometimes it would snow but um not very often i do remember it snowing okay. a few years when i was at school at christmas um, okay. And then in our house, we always listen to the Queen's speech, which is always at three o'clock on BBC One oh, on Christmas Day. So the Queen and my nan and granddad, yeah, my nan and granddad had to listen to it. Oh. And my sister and I were just like rolling our eyes generally. <laughs> and then we then we would have the presents after that, all of us all together. Um, and then generally the afternoon was playing cards. And then a buffet, so like what you were saying, similar to, to how your mum did yeah. it, with like a baked ham yeah. and volivants and sausage rolls and a Christmas cake yes, exactly. that my mum always made. My mum made a, a rich fruit cake, which she put holes in and poured brandy into over, you know, a period of about six weeks. And then she iced it just before Christmas. Um, it seems like there's a lot of brandy on Christmas. <laughs> yeah, there is a lot of brandy. Um, <laughs> Going to get through all those relatives. Um, yeah, so when I was younger, I was uh, as... As people who've listened to this podcast for a while know, I was um, rather overweight and I used to love baking. So I used to make a chocolate mm. log for Christmas and kind of things like that. What's that. Our Christmas is very, very different from that now. And I think as we go on, perhaps in the episode, um, you'll see that the way that I do Christmas here with Rob and Gabriel is very different to the Christmases I grew up in. But still, I have wonderful memories of, you know, being together as a family Absolutely. and um Christmas being made to be very special for me and my sister and wonderful memories of the choir and my friends and sharing Christmases with them. I thought I could talk a little bit about Christmas in Italy, seeing as it's my adopted home. And I think the, the most fabulous thing about Christmas in Italy for me is that the Italian sense of um, bella figura, so beauty, Mm -hmm. is just so wonderfully displayed at Christmas. In that, you know, you you have to, if you live near Florence, you have to go into Florence near Christmas because the shop windows are the most amazing shop windows you've ever seen. Just so beautifully, so delicately and originally creatively decorated. And the tree outside the um, Duomo is just gorgeous. Yeah, I want to, last year we went to... The street where Gabriel goes to school is a beautiful, beautiful street. And I got lots of inspiration mm. for my own kind of decorations in the house from there last year. I wanted to take my camera this year, hopefully, and <clears throat> take some pictures. Yes. And it, oh, so I think you know, I'm, not, I'm not a winter and a Christmas fan, really, because I get quite cold and I don't like the cold. Mm. I like the sun. But if I had to have Christmas in a, you know, a a normal sort of you know 
European country that had extremes of you know cold and warm Italy is such a wonderful country to be in yeah around yeah. Christmas I mean it starts as we were saying earlier on with the autumn and the change of the seasons and the stuff that becomes available to buy you know the the chestnuts have just oh, yes. started and you know the roasting chestnuts the warmth and the smell and all the chestnut baking things and oh. the oil the new olive oil and then the greens start coming in and the kale and the cabbages and really what the Tuscan yeah. soil gives and then persimmons and the citrus the different different citrus that are available the pomegranates it all kind of gives you this bounty that I don't remember experiencing in the UK and then it as you get closer to Christmas it it kind of wrap it gets wrapped up in this bow of just yeah. delightful the way that the the lights and the decorations are done it's um it's really it makes it magical you know so interesting that you say that Alison because I feel like there's a couple threads of things you've said that I've seen kind of carry down to the end you said you usually have a turkey versus a goose you think they used mm. to do a goose and I thought that's you know modern marketing versus tradition right there because mm -hmm. um, it's easier to in mass raise turkeys um, right and turkeys yep. are bigger and there's more meat um, yeah geese are more expensive to raise they take longer um, and they are much smaller in terms of meat. Um, so there there we go, right there, one of our traditions being changed. And then you said it was the Church of England. And of course, I thought, is it, did she go to the Church of England because um, that's what she wanted? Or did she go to the Church of England because King Henry VIII wanted to divorce his wife? <laughs> like, where yeah. did our tradition come from? Um, and then um, the... Oh, I just loved it whenever you said that you listened to the Queen's speech. I didn't know that mm. she did a speech on Christmas. Yeah, but, she does. Um, whenever I we listened to about half of an episode of Downton Abbey last night, and it was an episode where they cut the wireless to listen to the King's first speech on the wireless. <laughs> and the, the granny who grew up in the Victorian era, when he starts to speak, you know, she stands. And I thought, oh, that was just so, like, respectful. Um and so when you said your grandma has to listen to the speech, then that made me yeah. think of her. But when you talked about the the citruses and the olive oil and things like that, it just made me think. The um, And Karis and I were talking about this too. Karis is one of our patrons. Hi, Karis. If you're listening. Hello. Um, <laughs> and she and I were talking about um, traditional foods and making, you know, I was telling her like, how it feels to me, and I was thinking about this the other day, it feels to me like the, the, a lot of what we think of as traditions are like, oh, well, I don't know if I want to eat ancestral because I don't want to give up my Christmas traditions. And our traditions are actually modern kind of mar marketing versions yeah. of our true traditions, which would be a goose with a smaller portion of meat and more fat. Yeah. Um, and cinnamon buns without so much sweet but more cardamom more spices mm. um you know and soured bread not yeast bread you know what i mean like the and and the more gary and i have gotten closer and closer to really just pulling from the area around us to provide mm. our christmas which actually has largely come from budget restraints 
<laughs> you know, mm. like, well, we can't go and order this traditional thing that we usually do or go to the store and buy this thing. So we either have to make our own or go out into the woods and find something. Right. Mm -hmm. And, um, the more that we have pulled either just branches for decoration or yeah. fruits from farms around us for, um, the food, I feel like our Christmases have gotten richer and yeah, more colorful I, and more just magical. And I'd completely go with that. I feel like yeah, okay. since Rob and I and Gabriel have started making our own traditions and doing wow. that by not by spending more, by spending less, mm -mm. Um, our, That's the our funny Christmases thing. have had have just been so beautiful, yeah, so memorable and so beautiful, and they don't pay much homage at all to uh, many of the standard and I'm air quoting now traditions yeah, of yeah. a UK Christmas but they're just amazing and and so memorable yes. and hopefully for Gabriel so memorable um perhaps I'll just slide into talking about how we do things differently then now I'm talking That's about it perfect segue <laughs> um so yeah for for first example we we don't have wrapping paper we either leave things in the boxes that they came to our door uh -huh. in or we wrap things up in old newspaper yeah so it and you know when I first thought about doing it, I thought oh but it you know there was all the shiny stuff but it, it it's just it feels so homely and such a nice thing to do to not be generating all this extra waste um and I think you know from the outside perhaps to my parents it would look a little strange um uh -huh. but to us it feels like the right thing to do I think that um yeah yeah where do I start when I talk about our Christmases so maybe I should start by saying for the last I thought about this earlier on seven Christmases it's just been me Rob and Gabriel together no one else which is mm -hmm. quite unusual considering Christmas is usually the time when families get together um so since we've been in Italy um we haven't been able to go back and be with family in in the UK um, and it's partially through not being able to but it's partially because we live our life and the things we eat and the things that we do are different to what my family would do and so it, it feels like it has felt in the past like I'm I've been on edge or I've been bending myself in order to spend Christmas with my family and it has become much more magical when I've been able to create a space within the you know the the family it is the three of us to do something that we all three of us find magical you know mm. um <clears throat> yes and I don't think it's always going to be like this I don't think every Christmas in our future will be like that I think we we'll, we will have times when we're with other people whether they be friends or family in different ways but it just so happens that the last seven years it's been the three of us so um I think about five years ago I um had the crazy idea of <laughs> of on Christmas day having some food always that we never had that we'd never had before that we'd never eaten before a new dish ah, I love and I it thought we you know the it, the organic turkeys and the organic geese were so expensive and I mm -hmm. thought, well, you know, we don't need to have these. And Rob doesn't particularly even like them very much. So I thought, I want to be creative. Well, well, let's just, every year, I'll find a dish that I've never made before, and I'll make it. 
and we love that. <laughs> I think that's brilliant. And it's become a, it's become our thing for Christmas. Whether we'll keep it like that, yeah. I don't know. But last year we had, um, I fermented a whole cabbage head in, I think, the beginning of November. Mm. And then um, by the time December came, it was really soft. The leaves were really mm, soft. Yes. Yes. And I rolled pork, a pork mixture, which was with onions and some herbs and spices and um, I think bits of carrot. Oh, that's very and traditional, I like Eastern European that, sort of a... Kind of, yeah, exactly, into into these cabbage leaves, which had all been fermented, and then put sauerkraut in between them all, put a mixture of the sauerkraut juice and some stock on the top and put it in the oven. Mm. It was absolutely delicious. I can't, I tried to remember you what we had the year before, love but that. I can't remember. Oh. <laughs> It was. I, I it was love beautiful. that the the tradition is that it's something new. I think that's pretty fun because then you can spend you know three months thinking, what am I going to make? That's what. I, that's where I am really... now. Yeah. Yeah. We, yeah. Um, do you have any ideas about what you're going to do? Well, yeah. I <laughs> I wanted it to be simple this year because Gable started a new school and we're you know he's at school five days a week now and Rob and I are both you know, doing our own thing. And we are finding we really are quite short on time. At the weekend, there's lots of things happening. Like this weekend, we're on Sunday going to a chestnut forest to pick chestnuts and then have some barbecue where we roast the chestnuts. And we'll be out all day Sunday. And things like that kind of keep popping up at weekends. And so rather than having to do a dish that requires me to ferment a ton of other things I thought I want to keep it simple this year I'm thinking yes of potentially doing something which is like um sort of a pie with um minced beef in the bottom mixed in with some spices warm spices like a coriander cumin and I've been cooking minced beef like that recently and Gabriel really loves it with some cabbage in and some onions chopped up and then I used to ferment sweet potato a while ago and I loved the flavour of it. And I had a conversation on Instagram with um, the lady who is behind the profile I Am Cultured, who's a fermenter in Devon. And she was making the potato cheese from Nourishing Traditions. Oh, yes. And that. it reminded me of my fermented sweet potato that I used to do. And so I thought, hmm. I could ferment some sweet potato, perhaps with a bit of garlic in it. And then I could put the minced beef in the bottom of the casserole dish and then spread the top with that potato and then bake it. And that I'm thinking maybe that might be our Christmas lunch. Kind of like a really decadent cottage pie. Yeah, exactly. Fermented, garlicky, sort of warm spices and sweet potato you won't be able to get up from the table (laughs) and then i want to have some beer obviously i'll do a new batch of Of beer with some different flavorings and um on christmas eve we've um there is one tradition that is very british that i like to engage in which is um in king's college in cambridge Every Christmas Eve, they do a carol service. Uh, it's called the Service of, of Nine Lessons and Carols. I was just listening to King's College mm. yesterday. Uh, unbelievably I, amazing. I absolutely, I love it. Because, you know, I grew up singing in a church choir for 15 years. And sacred mm-hmm. church music is my thing. And I love the tradition. So that's on um, 
We don't watch it on the television. We listen to it on the radio. In fact, in fact, anyone could listen to it on the radio, no matter where you are, because you can get it on really? um, BBC Radio on Christmas Eve. I think it goes out um, earlier on the radio than it does on the television. And so we find a way to hook into that, and Rob puts it on the big speaker, so it's really good quality. Oh, man. And then we, we just sit together... That's like the end of work, the end of doing stuff. This is the beginning, signals the beginning of our relaxation. And I listen to it all the way through. And I think probably this year um, I will mull some of the swats, the, the oat ferment that I like to make so much. The drink is wonderful mould. So I can imagine I'll be sitting there this year with some mould swats to drink, listening mm. to Carols from King's. And um, thinking about, you know, what we'll have to eat. We usually have something special Christmas Eve. I don't know what that'll be yet. Christmas morning. We, we generally open some presents Christmas Eve, which is not something that is a UK tradition, but it's something that we just do ourselves. Rob and I don't really buy each other presents, um, but Gabriel is the focus. So he has of a few course. presents Christmas Eve. And then probably I'm thinking pancakes. Christmas morning, Ooh, um, yes. maybe with some melted um, home roasted cacao liquor drizzled on them as a nice treat. Oh, that'd be so good. Um, and then we just we just relax on Christmas Day. We yeah. listen to music from the radio. Read. Sometimes we play. Yeah, we read. <laughs> we play games. Um, we just we just and, and we we dress up usually in the house. Well, puts on a, a nice shirt and I put, put a dress on and we just and, and, and then we, we contact our families in the afternoon so Gabriel has yeah um, a video call with both his um, my mum and dad and Rob's mum uh -huh. but we just literally we just relax we watch Gabriel interact with the things that he's got for Christmas and we read and we play games and we will have some beer probably and we'll have the nice food and um yeah it, it it's um it's really magical even though we really don't we don't spend a lot of money and we don't it's not grand it's just the things that we like yes um, well the other thing i was going to talk about my fermented gingerbread because <clears throat> oh, that's yes, a new thing this year not mention that. <laughs> yeah i thought oh, i've forgotten something it's the fermented gingerbread um so yeah, I last week I mixed up some honey and spelt flour, 50-50, and I've put it down to ferment in the coldest part of the house. And that's going to be for Christmas. So even though actually, while we as we record, it's only the third week in October, that's going to sit there for um, almost two months. And then I'm going to bring it up just before Christmas. Hopefully it'll still be in a, a state that's decent. And I'm going to mix yes. up with Gabriel um, with ginger and some other whatever I think it needs to taste nice and make gingerbread with it um, with a flour that's been fermenting for two months which is quite a quite an exciting thing for this Christmas that's something I've never done before for sure it's gonna be so, awesome um, oh my goodness I feel like the more we the more you're talking the more I'm remembering things that I'm like oh yeah we do this we do that you know this is good. there's good so time. much to try and say that you do but I feel like a lot of it really does center around what we eat you know, yeah. there's these very traditional specific flavors that we're all accustomed to seeing like ginger and allspice and nutmeg yeah. and, you know, black pepper and things like that, that just 
make sense this time of year. And when we did our, um, when we did our pumpkin spice class the other night, the, the one where I was telling you that I mentioned the, um, Ellie's sourdough and stuff like that. Um, whenever we did that pumpkin spice class, I was telling everybody, you know, over here in the United States, there's this thing called pumpkin spice. I don't know if it's anywhere else in the world, honestly, but, um, it's just the spices that you would normally see in a pumpkin pie. Okay. Okay. This cat is driving me crazy because he's attacking his own shadow (laughs) and he won't go away. Okay. There he goes. He just ran upstairs. Um, okay. So anyways, um, but, um, it's really since pumpkin spice as the blend became popularized by um, a coffee chain over here that made it into a syrup, you know, to flavor coffees. Um, mm-hmm. Now pumpkin spice as a sort of cultural phenomenon is really popular. And so then of course the, the obverse side of that coin is that it's really popular to say, Oh, I hate pumpkin spice, you know, it's so, bleh. you know, okay. yeah. <laughs> so, so I always tell people, well, if you say you love pumpkin spice and everyone gives you a hard time for it, just know that you're reaching back to your ancestral roots because those are the spices and the smells, the aromas of the season that people surrounded themselves with and decorated with and cooked with and baked with and stuffed in their drawers and wore in sachets around the neck <laughs> to try and keep themselves healthy. Um, because these spices actually have amazing health benefits. So um, cooking with these isn't just Ooh, it's cozy. And so it's the time for nutmeg. No, it's cozy. And it's the time for people to get the sniffles. So get your nutmeg out, get your cinnamon out, get your ginger out. You know, these things have, uh, they serve a purpose at this time of year. Um, Yeah. So I'm thinking about my rice rice bread, which I cooked up on the first Zoom we did for our patrons Yeah, and how that is something that I associate with Christmas and probably I'll make some for Robin Gable. But that's got all those spices in as well. You know, mm-hmm. it's got the yes, it does. it's got cloves, it's got ginger, it's got nutmeg, it's, it's so got good. you know, that's a traditional kind of winter bread, yeah. just like the the gingerbread that I'm going to do just before Christmas with those spices in is the traditional festive food. It has, like you're saying, it has a, a functional as well as a pleasurable side to it for sure yes and it's also functional because in winter time a lot of your <clears throat> food might be spoiled by this time so if you throw in a lot of spices nobody will know yeah, yeah exactly <laughs> that's a very I wanted to talk solution. about um I wanted to talk about um the other side of the world because you just mentioned Ellie and how you shared her mm-hmm. sourdough recipe and um I touched base with her before we recorded because um of course it's summer in Australia Christmas day it's like midsummer rather than midwinter like it is for both of us yeah yeah and I I've never experienced a Christmas in midsummer mm-hmm. I've always experienced Christmas in the northern hemisphere and it was really interesting to hear her say that you know she she has pre-prepared salads and she makes things um yes with brown lentil brown rice and, and lentil loaf and things that are cold sauerkrauts and sauces uh-huh and calling desserts and I I thought how different it is and how different the traditions must be when it's midsummer where yeah. you are you know because you wouldn't need those spices and you wouldn't yeah. have the, the foods that were readily available 
like Brussels sprouts, for example, Brussels sprouts <laughs> are a stalwart on the UK um, Christmas dinner. You wouldn't okay. have that kind of thing in Australia over Christmas. Mm -mm. Mm -mm. And I think that's absolutely fascinating to, to kind of let us know that, you know, really it's about following what's around you. Yes. Like the best farming is looking at what's around you and doing what you can with the land. Well, the best Christmas and the most traditional Christmas is looking at what's around you yeah. and celebrating that, you know, yeah. really celebrating that. Well, I, um, every, every holiday, really, when you, when you um, really try to get into the traditions of them, they're just, they're almost always centered on the agricultural season and um, just absolutely the, yes, the traditions were not shaped because peasants were, you know, haul it, hauling in stuff from amazon.com or something. No, they were shaped yeah. because that was what they had around them. And the cathedral was hosting a giant mass and everybody went and listened to the choir. You know what I mean? This is, yeah. the traditions came from exactly what you said, what was around you, which, yeah, exactly. you know, if, if somebody feels um, frustrated, maybe, oh, I can't afford this special thing. Or, you know, here in the United States, nobody can get anything shipped in for love or money. So, oh, I can't get this thing shipped in or whatever. Turn to what is around you yeah. and, and your family and typically your church, you know, whatever it is that is around you, how can you use that to create the traditions? So I think Ellie's got a tradition that she's made herself, which is her, um, sourdough fermented fruit cake Ooh. and um, Ooh. I watched the video I watched the video for it yesterday and it looks really rich and what I wanted to do was link to that in our show notes so if anyone feels inspired to to make a sourdough fruit cake I feel inspired. One, as we know Ellie's recipes are so simple and so straightforward that I'm sure it would be um, yes. a really easy one to follow for sure so simple so book. simple to put together but complex in their simplicity like she makes yeah, it yeah. so easy because yeah. she understands it so exactly. well you know what i mean yeah. um a friend of mine um uh, from new zealand i remember we asked him what his traditions were and he said oh we always have a barbecue on the beach <laughs> Yeah. And he said, yeah, I don't know why as a kid, we never thought it was strange. We watched all the movies about, you know, Santa Claus and snow yeah. and people, you know, tramping around in their boots. And he's like, I mean, it didn't really translate to us, but we just kind of like went with it and watched. <laughs> so it was funny. And I asked yeah, so on Instagram if anybody had any traditions that mm -hmm. they would share. Um, Jenna said that her family does an oyster roast or a bonfire, which I thought was awesome how cool does that sound wow. um yeah. uh colleen said that they have really liked making wassail is it pronounced wassail well i i saw that when you shared that with me and it reminded uh -huh. me of wassailing which I, I presume she was talking about the tradition of wassailing which is uh, is that what she's talking about or not well she said that they because because you you have a song that you've passed on to us like here we go while wassailing or something like yeah, that right yeah that's it yeah um yeah. <laughs> and so she was referring to the mold wine so molding yeah. means to heat and to spice typically wine although of course we do mold ciders and things like that as yeah. well um, so she's she's calling that a, a wassail the, the process so of making a mold wine yeah so we have then over here these recipes called like wassail if that's how you say it, mm. I actually don't know how to say yeah, it. No, you and do, you do. and that's that. just like a spiced wine and um, they're really good. Fascinating. That's and fascinating because, you know, 
Hmm. I, I, I'm probably, I could be completely wrong here, but I'm not sure that wassailing was originally a spiced wine. I was listening to um, a podcast called um, How to Eat to Save the Planet, which was presented um, by Julie Smith. And there's an episode in there on wassailing. And there's some people in the UK who are kind of doing the old tradition. The old tradition was to sing this wassailing song and go around the town Here it is. with everyone. Here it and is. then you would bless it. But I think it was ale. I thought it was an ale. Uh, yeah. In a looks... big bowl. And they each drank it from this bowl. And when they drank it, they wished good things for their neighbor. Uh, okay. Well. Yeah. No, you're right. It says um, just, just hitting the interwebs. Mm. And it's saying that it's from Wassel, probably comes from the Old Norse of Vasheil. And mm. it's a beverage made from mold cider and spices, typically yeah, drunk. Cider. Okay. While wassailing, which was an English Yuletide drinking ritual mm. and salutation, you would go yeah. around to everyone's door and um, kind of salute them. And it was to ensure a good apple harvest. <laughs> yeah. So you gave them, the, oh. apparently you, you had this drink in a, in a cedar bowl, apparently. And then you offered it to them from the bowl, this kind of communal yeah. sharing of this Warmed earliest spice warm drink. warmed mead into which roasted crab mead, apples were dropped. Okay, oh, this sounds, sounds really good. good. <laughs> because okay. crab apples would be tart, wouldn't they? Yes. But roasted would bring out. And our neighbor sweetness. has a crab apple tree. So the earliest mead. versions were warmed mead, which into which roasted crab apples were dropped and burst to create a drink called lamb's wool, drunk on Lamas Day still known in Shakespeare's time, later evolved to be a mold cider with sugar. Wow, I did not know people put sugar in it. Cinnamon, ginger, so you, nutmeg. So it's been a wine now. So it's what? translated across the Atlantic into a wine, a spiced wine. <laughs> topped so. it. They topped it with toast as sops and as drunk from a large communal bowl. Modern yeah. versions have a base of wine or fruit juice, mold ale, sometimes brandy or mold sherry. Yeah. Apples or oranges are mixed. Some people I want to eggs. make some. Yeah, okay, looks like I could make it with my beer, couldn't I? There uh, we go. Yes, you can. I said I didn't know quite yet what I was doing this <gasps> Christmas. I could make yes. some of my beer and I could spice it up. This just happened right here on the air. I've got any <laughs> crab apples. <laughs> I could try and find something like that. It's got that tartness. Any in it. small tart and I apple. could spice it up. And then we could drink it. That would be really cool. Thank you, Colleen. Okay. Yes. My head's now going. Yeah. Now, now Allison's off and running. Um, yeah, another um, four lambs. I, I should have, I should click her to see what her real name is, but I took a screenshot of what she said. Um, apple cider, mold wine, unflavored bone broth for hot chocolate. I was wondering mm. if you could do mold bone broth, like just oh a really, God. just a really wow. neutral bone broth and add a ton of spices and just cook it, you know, so it's really spicy and simmery. Um, yeah, I don't see why not. Wouldn't that be delicious? I think, I think I'd prefer to stick to my um, oat fermented liquid. <laughs> <laughs> if I like it. <laughs> we but have. Yeah, what was the first one you said before you like said the... Um, Broth. What was the other thing she said? Oh, a uh, mold, mold wine and apple cider. Apple cider, yeah. Apple yeah. cider is definitely very traditional out here where Colleen and I are, because okay. we grow. I mean, I've, virtually every yard has an apple tree in it. 
you know, okay. Gary's parents have apple trees in their yard. My parents have apple tree, an apple tree in their yard. Mm-hmm. Our neighbors have apple trees. We have apple trees. I, I okay. mean, apple trees are everywhere out here because they just grow really well out here. So mm-hmm. apple, all the things. Um, sounds really nice. Um, let's see. I, I also, yeah. I yeah. also asked on Instagram, mm-hmm. I just did like, um, like a poll on oh, yeah. different things. Um, so I was just asking people, what Christmas traditions they liked. Um, and so I asked if people like natural winter decor, most people said yes. So we, we, we have natural winter decor. We always have, because that's what we can afford because I go outside and pick it up. And if we lived in town, I would just pick it up out of the yard or I'd walk over when our neighbors were clipping hedges and ask if I could take branches and then um, I got into this tradition. I don't, I don't know if it's a thing or not, but it was, again, it was just what I had. There was a big broken branch in our yard that fell during a windstorm. And then I just started tying tons of other branches, both from hedges and trees onto it. And then I hung strings down and I started hanging like dried oranges and cranberries and just mm. whatever I had and made kind of like a like a mobile, I guess, and hung it over okay, the kitchen yeah. window. And it was just a free thing based on what I had around me, but it became this like centerpiece. Everybody would come over and say, wow, that's so amazing. And, and I was like, well, you know, it's just really when you just think about unique. what you can, yeah, what can you do without spending any money? You end up with something more beautiful and um more unique than if you just went to like a store and bought a plastic kind of a decoration or something that would have been yeah. expensive and and probably wasteful and harmful to the planet even but um this is just a beautiful thing and eventually it just kind of went back into the woods over something yeah but um yeah. but so natural winter decor is really awesome like we um for Thanksgiving last year, Hannah went outside and she picked branches and ferns and sprigs of berries and things. And she filled like 10 quart or half gallon mason jars with these really mm-hmm. tall centerpieces and lined them all down the table. And, and they then, smell so good. Oh yeah. my when word. When you bring so those good. furs in, when you do the orange oh slices, it just, yes. they smell so good. And she and Jeremy made these made the most beautiful wreaths like they would sit up there and weave branches hundreds of branches into these really tight um wreath bases and then they could put all the branches of the trees on top oh my goodness one day i will learn how to do that i remember being seeing some on instagram last year yeah I, I asked if people like fruit as decor. Everybody was kind of split on that. Some people like it, some people don't. Uh, a couple of my farmer friends said the same thing as me. If I put out fruit, my animals will eat it. So <laughs> <laughs> um, everybody's into the hot beverages at winter time. Almost yeah. everybody. Um, a lot of people like to do winter baking or Christmas baking. Um, a lot of people like the sacred sounds of the season like Handel's Messiah and things came to my mind mm-hmm. of course I thought of King's Choir and Liberia and all those um I know I mean I there is a lot of Christmas music that I like but a lot of modern pop Christmas music is not really my thing but I yeah. like the older the choirs like you said and things like that yeah and then yeah. 
uh, most people said that they liked snow. I was surprised by that. I like hmm. snow, but I feel like most people say they don't like snow. <laughs> um, I like to look at snow, but that's about <laughs> as far as it goes. <laughs> I don't like anything else. Well, <laughs> well, I probably like it because it it doesn't snow loads over here. Um, yeah, like we'll get a decent amount of snow in the winter, but it's not going to be snowed in for months on end. We'll be lucky if we have it for weeks on end. Um, so it's always a little novel for us. Yeah, last year we had it on the hills here, so we're surrounded mm. by hills, and so it was really quite beautiful to look out mm. the window and see it settling on the hills. It didn't settle in where we are, um, but it it made it yeah breathtakingly beautiful really, to see it on the hills. So I uh, yeah, I, I prefer to look at it rather than being. I wanted to um, make sure we talk about staying sane at Christmas. So maybe we can finish off with yeah, some let's... tips and ideas and strategies because I know that for a lot of people, Christmas can be a very stressful time. Christmas can be a time that is not as positive as um, it is for everyone. And I wondered what your ideas on staying sane and keeping your cool and um being festive you know rather than getting stressed over christmas yeah well i will say first that i have a number of friends who have lost um you know children or loved ones and i know that the holidays are very very difficult yeah. if you have a deep loss like that so um if that is you, my friend, my heart is with you. And I'm definitely always keep those friends close to my heart because it is like you said, a time when you usually get close with family. And um, so it becomes even more distinct at that time, not yeah. that their loss is ever without them, but that at that time, they especially are reminded. So um, I think remembering that a tradition and a ritual is something that you can establish I would definitely mm. say if there's a loss like you have the right to not celebrate at all if that's what works for you um also if it feels like you do want to still honor the holiday in some way then I would definitely encourage create create you know elaborate rituals and things to remember that person um <clears throat> i know that that can impact sanity a lot <laughs> the you know grief around that time of year so um just want to give my due respect to anybody going through that or living with that you know for the rest of your yeah, life you. with that loss um for just the general mayhem that can set in <laughs> You're right. I think a lot of um, holidays can become very stressful and chaotic. And again, the farther back you look, um, there's probably always some degree of stress for the cook, <laughs> whoever's yeah. preparing a traditional meal. But um, uh, it's what you, you described it as a day of rest, right? And it's supposed to be supposed to be I don't know why I'm saying it's supposed to be but um throughout history you know everybody you know 95 percent plus of people have been farmers to some degree just typically yeah. average um so your life was dictated by the season and I would remind everybody that 
your farmer is still feeding the animals on Christmas. Your farmer is still, you know, taking watering, taking care of things, maybe even fixing things, you know, on Christmas. Um, that never stops. But um, for us, I, again, I told you my mom is just really good at creating ritual and tradition. Um, and she built that up over years of, you know, doing what worked and then adding on, right? And so for me to try to compare myself today over what, you know, the masterful art that she created over decades, you know, would be crazy. Um, so if you are <laughs> looking on Instagram <laughs> and getting overwhelmed and, and being like, oh, I can't do all the things like, uh, I, I did have one year where I just, I, I went absolutely mad. And then I thought all of my kids are going to remember is me being stressed out, trying to, you better have fun and enjoy this, you know? <laughs> so, um, being able to, um, if your tradition is, listen, if your tradition is that you buy gingerbread cookies and you don't make them go for it, <laughs> I'm not going to stop you. Like, make the traditions be what works for you. Or if your tradition is that you always make gingerbread cookies and then you had triplets this year, then <laughs> don't, don't kill yourself over it. Cause the tradition should be getting to spend time with family. It is fun yeah. for me to go a little bit chaotic and, um, have fun putting together gifts and things like that. And I laughed Allison when you said about the wrapping paper, because we don't buy wrapping paper either. Um, what um a couple years ago Gary was working on he does all these woodworking projects in the garage and so he gets these big rolls of brown paper that he lays down because the glue kind of falls on the paper and stain and things like that and then we can just burn it you know at the end of mm -hmm. using it use it to start a fire or something so I took his roll one year and used it to wrap presents and it barely made a dent in the roll and I thought well this is fantastic I just do this every year so yeah, newspaper or um, rolls of, you know, the, it's like this gigantic roll of paper that'll probably last you for years and it's $8, you know, it's like, it's great. Um, and we just use it for our fire starter once, once we've opened the <laughs> presents. Um, and when, uh, I'm going to reference Downton Abbey again, I'm sorry people, but it's like the only, <laughs> like the only show I've ever actually seen. You know, watched. I've never seen it. <laughs> That's okay. You, you lived Alice and you grew up. I'm just kidding. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, but there was just some scene where um, the butler and the housekeeper were wrapping a gift or something for Christmas. And, and they were just talking while they were holding the paper down and tying it with a string. And I, in that moment, I was like, wait a minute. That's why they, that's why they wrap strings around presents because we didn't have tape before. Yeah. <laughs> now we tape them and then we tie them. So then I started doing that too, just using rolls of string and um, I could tie it up and not have to even get tape. <laughs> but um, sometimes I think people look and they say, um, oh, look, you have these pretty like dried oranges and you have these evergreen boughs and your presents look just right because they're in brown paper with this cool string and they think that I like tried to put together a look or something. Yeah, and, it just happened. Yeah, I just need them to know like it's just trying to be cheap, you know. <laughs> it's just <laughs> using what I had around me. It's just because I couldn't go to the store or I, you know, so don't I don't know. 
I, I, I don't know how to say what I'm trying to say, which is that if you do what is natural and close and feels right, it comes together as your signature look yeah. rather than trying to start with what I wanted my signature look to be. That would have been actually very stressful, but I just started with what I had around me and it turned into what it is. And so that will shape your traditions. So yeah, I agree. I don't even know why I don't, it took me so long to say that. <laughs> I, I'm, not, I'm not sure that um, I've ever tried to create a signature look or I just, Rob and I just do what feels right to us. And I think it's quite important to, um, to say that it's, it's important to do what you need to, you know, yes. if you need some time away from the kids then get it don't go insane if you need to say no to things then say it. if you need to not cook this then don't because it's supposed to be about enjoying resting yeah um, and being exactly. doing things that you enjoy being with friends yeah. family reading books whatever it is that you like to do it's important to make space for that and yeah with the food particularly with big families I don't have this because I'm only cooking for one day. Mm -hmm. but mm -hmm. I can imagine it's easy to get very overwhelmed particularly if you have you know different diets coming to, to be with you or people mm -hmm. who are mm -hmm. very particular about their food um so from that perspective pre-making stuff is a great idea and another tip that Ellie said was ask people to bring things you know um, yeah if yeah. you've got people who are eating different stuff if I was invited somewhere, I'd be more than happy to bring something. So oh, yeah. ask for help when you need it and um, take deep breaths. <laughs> Pre-make as much as you can. Don't worry about what it looks like. Worry about enjoying yourself and being yes. and and making it memorable from that perspective. Because those are the things that we remember, you know, the moments when when we're laughing the moments when we're hugging the moments when we're sitting together and playing games the moments when we're sitting with a quiet cup of tea looking out of the window mm -hmm. those are the things that we remember not that you know rush to get everything onto the table and so those are the moments to to really hold close and try to ensure that, that they happen by letting the other stuff be less important yep yep I absolutely I agree absolutely agree and I, I love love what Ellie said about asking people to bring things because there's two mm. things that happen when you ask someone to bring things one we need to be able to ask for help <laughs> we need to be able to accept help from our community and two people need to feel that their presence is valuable and that they're yeah, contributing to the household and that's something I say I've I've noticed it's something that I say to my kids all the time when we're doing something or doing a chore or we're trying to get the house ready to go or something. And I'll say to them, what are you doing right now to contribute to the household? Because maybe it's playing with the baby, maybe it's cleaning, you know, but I want them thinking in that direction of what am I doing to contribute? And my mom always said that it's great to ask people to bring things when they come to an event or something, because they feel like such an included part of the picture yeah, at that point. If Which you I invite me to your house, yes. ask me to make something and I'll bring some oh, bread yes. and I will love bringing some bread. Yes, please. I love sharing yeah. it. You know? So yeah. <laughs> yeah. That. Or maybe, maybe I'll bring some beer. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yes. That's it. Alison's hot tip for getting through the holidays. <laughs> make some beer. <laughs> yeah. Lots of it. Oh, no. no, but I love that my oh. mom even thinks in terms of, you know, when she's asking people to bring things, how is it, you know, 
on a psychological level? Yeah. What is yeah. it making them? It does. Feel? It, it makes it makes a huge difference. And yeah. it's a way to build a connection, even with people that you don't know particularly very well. Mm -hmm. um, you know, the conversations that start and the, the nice feeling that comes through exchanging and sharing together, just like that cross-sailing tradition, you know, of taking the ale in one bowl and everyone drinking out of yeah. the same bowl. It's, yeah. it's the same idea of community inclusiveness and Maybe we'll be and doing sharing that our here. humanity. We have people, uh, couple groups actually are camping out here this weekend. Oh, okay. um, and I was telling Gary, do you think we'll have people camp out here over Christmas? Because how cool would that be? It, it makes you want to take a big pot and go around yeah. and knock on all the doors. Doors, yeah. <laughs> it's a lovely idea. Oh, man. Just to go around and wish your neighbors good cheer and and a blessing on their year and on, on their produce and their harvest. It just feels yeah. right. <laughs> yeah I agree cheers to that mm -hmm. okay well I think we I think we've knocked Christmas on the head what do you think <laughs> I think we we barely scratched the surface Alice <laughs> I would love it if anybody has um Christmas traditions or holiday traditions I know we have um so many of you that celebrate Hanukkah the festival of lights there's yeah. all kinds of different holidays in the winter represented um you know, just, just within the people that we know, Alice and you and I, that's crazy. And I would love to hear if you could tag us on Please Instagram. Do. I just want to see, because just hearing people's comments about their traditions was, I don't know, it, it just, it sparks something in me. It, it makes yeah. me want to, you know, adopt their traditions or adapt my traditions with theirs and yeah. um, just, I don't know. I just, I, I love hearing about it. I can never hear enough about it. Broadens the mind, I think. Yes. Broadens yeah. Broadens the mind. Yeah. you think differently. Well, so tag us okay. on We want to see it. <laughs> yeah, please do. Definitely. All right. Oh. Well, thank you, Alison. I'm, I'm ready to go. We actually have a little holiday party here tomorrow. So I'm doing a little bit oh. of baking for that. So oh, I'm nice. really excited. To, now I'm really in the mood for it. <laughs> I'm going to turn Excellent. on some King's choir. <laughs> oh, yeah. In the background. <laughs> yeah. Nice. Oh, happy baking. Oh, thank you. All right. Well, I'll talk to you soon, Allison. Yeah, talk to you next time. Bye. Bye. Thank you so much for listening. We'd love to continue the conversation. Come find us on Instagram, Andrea's at Farm and Hearth and Allison's at Ancestral underscore Kitchen. Until next time, we both wish you much fun exploration and satisfaction in and out of the kitchen. Bye.